I'm excited about being in the house of God. And I believe that God has come today to do something miraculous in every heart that will allow him to accomplish his intended work. Amen. I want to turn your attention to the first book of Samuel. And I will read out of the 14th chapter. I want to say, I alluded to it a moment ago, but I truly do believe that God has divinely orchestrated all that has happened today. My spirit has been encouraged. The worship team, the musicians did such a marvelous job of leading us into the presence of God, and I thank them. I give them honor. I believe it was the end of last summer. My wife and I were in Idaho preaching, I believe it was about a week, we flew up, preached at a, two or three churches, and while we were here, the Lord spoke to us and, and really gave us instruction that it was the will of God that sometime in this year that we come back to Idaho and several of those churches, God wanted us to come and preach some revivals, and, and so we planned the month of May we would be in this area. And we had a, a one cancellation month and a half ago or so. One of those weekends was canceled. And I didn't say anything to anybody. I didn't contact anybody. And one day, out of nowhere, Brother Jared texted me and said, if you're coming to the Northwest, Brother Mayo wants you to come to Cornerstone. And so here we are the first weekend of this, this endeavor over the next six weeks or so preaching revivals in, in Idaho mostly, and I, I believe I believe more assuredly now than even several months ago in last summer that the will of God will be done. Brother Mayo began to talk a few moments ago about the, the pressures and the weights that he faced this week, and since Monday when we left Oklahoma, there's been one setback after, the, uh, after another, there's been attack after another. And quite frankly, uh, was it Friday night? Friday night just, it kind of got the best of me, so to speak. And I, I just got to that place, and I'm sure that you've been, where you kind of get to the end of your rope, and you feel like you've got, you've done all that you can, you've done all that you know to do. And I'm amazed, I guess I should not be, but I'm amazed at the power of God. How that just one simple prayer uttered from a heart of faith can involve the power of God in a supernatural way. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful. I, 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 we were shouting and dancing and, and, and tears at the same time were flowing down my face today at the thought of just how good God is, that in the moment that we need Him, He is a very present help in the time of trouble. And He has everything that we need. And as, as we drove yesterday, again, we had setback after setback. We had repairs on the RV I had to make, and, and we had a blowout on the tow car yesterday just trying to get to Spokane. And by the, about the time the, the tire on the car blew, Brother, Brother Mayo, I just laughed. I did. I, I walked back. My wife was mad, and at that point, I just laughed because I knew the devil was defeated anyway. And then they got up and sang this morning, this means war. No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know, we win. 
We're not defeated. We're not forsaken. We've got a hope. We've got a promise. Praise God. Praise God. And so I'm so thankful for the goodness of God. And thank you for allowing us to be with you today. My good friends, Brother Jared and Sister Audrey, we love them so much and so appreciate them and their ministry. And it's so great to see them. First Samuel chapter 14. Pardon me for taking a few minutes there, but I want to get to the word of the Lord and preach what I felt the Spirit dropped into my heart yesterday as I drove. And I believe the will of God is going to be done here today. First Samuel 14, verse number 6. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Verse 13 of the same chapter. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet. And his armor bearer after him and they fell before Jonathan. And his armor-bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about 20 men within, as it were, a half acre of land which an oak, which a yoke of oxen might plow. I want to preach today very simply entitled, When God is Involved. When God is Involved. If you're going to help me preach this morning, would you shout amen one time? God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I, uh, some time ago, I was listening to some old preaching and a particular recording that I was listening to. I'm not sure when this message was preached, but the preacher used a, a story as really just a passing illustration in the introduction of his message that has stuck with me, and I, I want to communicate and relay this story to you from a battle which took place amid the Korean War, that struggle between communist North Korea and democratic South Korea. The United States, through the United Nations, involved itself in that war. There was many of American boys that gave their lives there. One area along the 38th parallel between the two countries was called Heartbreak Ridge. And they tell of a battle that took place there in which the American troops were pinned down in their attempts to obtain a breakthrough. One American soldier was ordered to inch his way into what was called and effectively known as a no man's land to attempt in planting some explosive devices. While doing so, that soldier was shot. He was badly wounded and began screaming for help as bullets splattered into the earth all around him. Time passed and the other soldiers on that battlefield heard his cries for help, but none of his battle buddies could safely get to him. In fact, both sides knew that it would almost be suicide for anyone to dart out into such a bullet-riddled place. Later, 
people described another young soldier who was hunkered down in his foxhole. Every once in a while, that soldier would lift his arm up like this and let the light reflect off of his arm. He kept looking and doing this over and over until suddenly, without warning, this soldier leapt up from his foxhole. He ran across no man's land and grabbed his buddy up and carried him to safety. Later, his, his sergeant asked him, what were you thinking? He said, well, to be honest, I was just watching for it to strike 9 o'clock in the morning back home in Kansas because my mama prays for me every morning at 9 o'clock in the morning. And I knew that if I could just wait uh, until mama was praying, uh, there would not be one bullet uh, that would find me. So when it hit 9 o'clock in the morning, back home in Kansas, he said, I went and I got my buddy. Can I preach on this Sunday morning? Oh, that all of us could trust after that same manner and know that when God is involved, when God is invited, when God is on the scene of our lives, it matters not where you are. It matters not what comes against you. It matters not what trouble you may be in. Ladies and gentlemen, we can march in confidence knowing that I have got God on my side. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We can hold our head high and know that in the day of trouble, he will deliver thee. Can I ask you a question? How did God create all that is in just six days? How was man formed from just the dust of the earth? How did water destroy everything on the earth except for one big boat and the inhabitants therein? How did Abraham and Sarah conceive a child in their old age? How did Moses part the Red Sea? How did manna fall from heaven to sustain God's people? I submit to you the answer is quite simple. God was involved. How did Nehemiah build the wall in just 52 days? How did Jericho's wall crumble at the sound of the Israelites' shout? How did Daniel survive the den of lions? How did Jonah survive three days and three nights in the belly of a well? How did a virgin give birth to a son? It's simple. God was involved. I really feel like preaching today. How was water turned into wine? How did Zacchaeus find God in a tree? How did that, that Samaritan woman find life at a well? How was Peter saved from the waters? How was that demoniac delivered? How 
did Lazarus come leaping out of his grave after being dead for four days? How did Jesus himself die and yet walk out of the grave? Quite simply, he was God. And when God is involved, even the power of death is no match against the power of the almighty God. I haven't come to preach some profound, uh, theologically uh, complex message today. Uh, My message is very simple. Uh, I feel as if I'm on a mission today uh, to convince someone uh, that in the battle of life uh, that you face, uh, it is imperative uh, that you always uh, have God uh, involved. For at the risk of sounding cliched, we cannot do this on our own. If we have ever needed the Lord before, we need him now. If we have ever needed God involved, we need him now. If we have ever needed the anointing of the Holy Ghost, we need it in this day. If we have ever needed an apostolic demonstration of the power of God's spirit, it is right now. In these last days, we can't do it on our own. We need God involved. We we cannot depend only upon human intellect. We can't depend upon human strength to combat the adversary of our souls. I don't make this statement to belittle any battle that any previous generation uh, before us has ever fought. Uh, Their their battles uh, and their victories uh, have got us to where we are. Uh, But it sure seems to me that in this day, uh, we're fighting spirits uh, that we've never encountered before. Uh, We're facing battles uh, and warning against things uh, that we've never had to fight. Uh, And you must hear me today. Uh, We must not lean uh, upon our own uh, understanding but we must trust in the Lord with all thine heart. But to the seven sons of Sceva who attempted to perform miracles in the name of Jesus, that evil spirit said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Reestablishing the truth that without him, We can do nothing, but with him, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Can I just pause? I'll get to my sermon in a minute, but can I just pause and tell somebody, if you want apostolic power and authority in your life, you must have God involved you want to see an apostolic move of God in your family. Amen. It cannot come from anything that you produce in yourself. It must come by the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. For the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel and said, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. For except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. That build it. Just one of the elements necessary and essential when desiring divine involvement in our lives. 
It is that familiar word, yet never enough practice, called prayer. After Hezekiah took the throne, reigning as the 13th king of Judah, he removed the high places. He broke to pieces the brazen serpent and walked uprightly before God, Scripture tells us. And although defeating the Philistines, Hezekiah endeavored to break the Assyrian yoke that was upon them. And after much distress, after great affliction by their adversaries, Hezekiah sends for the prophet Isaiah, who then prophesied destruction upon the Assyrians. And while the Assyrian king knew nothing of his looming doom, fear prompted that wicked king to write an intimidating letter to Hezekiah. This letter was purposed to, to endeavor to induce the surrender of Jerusalem and quite literally bullied God's people into captivity. The Bible says that Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers. And when many responses might have been appropriate. I love this. 2 Kings chapter 19 verse 14. When many things could be done, the Bible says Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord. And spread it before the Lord. Hezekiah didn't run to a therapist. He didn't run to a counselor. He ran to the house of the Lord. He didn't publish uh, all of his business uh, on, on social media. He didn't, he didn't propagate the threatening lies uh, of the adversary for all to hear. He took them to God in prayer. Can I preach that how much easier, uh, how much better, better would our lives be if we could ever learn that the presence of the Lord ought to be the first place we go when trouble strikes. Hey, I believe that prayer ought to be the first thing we do when all of hell breaks loose in our lives. I appreciate what Pastor said. It doesn't matter what happens around us or in our lives. We need the church. We need the body of Christ. We need the gathering together of God's people. Because where else can you find peace in the midst of life's problems? Huh? Tell me where else you can find strength when you are weak. Where else can you find refuge from the onslaught of hell? Where else can you find hope in a hopeless world? Where else can you find a reprieve from the battles that we fight? It will not be found anywhere in this world. It will not be found in some person, some place, or something. It will only be found in the presence of the Almighty God and by His power and anointing. Hezekiah considered all that the enemy had said, all that the enemy intended to do, 
He carefully read the enemy's words. Hezekiah did not turn to his own ideas and his own inclinations. He did not react according to his own instincts of warfare or his own strategies. But rather he took the threatening lies and the taunting language of his adversary and spread them out before the Lord. At the risk of sounding old-fashioned, hear me today, I still believe God answers prayer. I still believe prayer involves God. I still believe that just a simple whispered prayer is more powerful than the shout of all of hell's demons. And the old song said, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. God help me because I don't need to preach all day today, but I feel like preaching about right now. I feel like chasing a bunch of rabbits and squirrels. We shouldn't just pray about this and that, and well, if it's Sunday, I'll pray about it. But if it's Monday afternoon, then I'll just try to survive. I'll just try to figure it out. There must be a constant state and realm of the Spirit wherein we take everything, the big and the small, Every day, every hour, every minute, I don't depend upon myself. I depend upon the almighty power of the Holy Ghost. Is there an enemy that has stricken you with fear? This is going to be profound. Pray about it. I know you were expecting something much deeper than that. You expected something to help you. Well, good news. That'll help you more than anything in this world. That'll help you more than a therapist. That'll help you more than a counselor. That'll help you. That'll help you more than a day on the mountaintop. Whatever you have need of, you take it to God in prayer. I got a three-point sermon today, but I may not get to all three of them. There's a lot of times, I don't know, I haven't been here for five years. Some of you are still trying to get to know me. So I don't want to wear out my welcome or anything. But If you're not careful, we can get into this trap where we expect everybody else to pray our own self through our problems. We'll let everybody know we got problems. We'll let everybody know we need a miracle. We'll let everybody know that we need prayer. But we'll depend upon pastor's prayer. We'll depend upon mom and dad's prayer. We'll depend upon the elder's prayer. And what I feel instructed of the Holy Ghost to do right now is to challenge somebody you ought to pray about it yourself 
Come on, thank God for pastor's prayer life. But it's not all his responsibility to pray the glory of God down in your life. Thank God for the elders. They know how to touch God, but it's not their responsibility. Amen. To carry you into the presence of the king, you've got to get a sense of responsibility. And whatever you face, you pray about it and just see what God will do. You say, well, but I know that preacher's good and all, but... That's not, that's not the dynamic task that I was thinking of. You know, I, I, I guess we humans, we like, we like dramatization. We like, we like production, so to speak. We, if we're going to get an answer in our life, we, we want it to come with lightning and thunder and flashes across the sky. And we want some great mighty sound and some great demonstration, and I believe in all that. But sometimes we could, we could see our desires come to pass, and we could see great victories in our life by just a simple prayer of faith. So I challenge somebody in this house today, is there, is there some dark cloud that is lingering over you? Pray about it. And watch God involve himself. In your affliction. Come on, is there somebody in this place that there's some trouble uh, that has afflicted you? Uh, is, is there some problem uh, that has puzzled your mind? You pray about it. Don't you ever underestimate the power of prayer. You know, I've heard it all my life. I was raised a preacher's kid. I've heard preaching all my life. I've heard it said that there's power in prayer. Was it James that said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much? One translation said it is full of power. But I would submit to you that that power does not come by the volume of your voice or by the eloquence of your speech. The power in prayer doesn't come by how often you pray or how much confidence others may have in the prayers that you do pray. Hear this preacher today. God puts the power in prayer. God puts the power in prayer. For example, the 63 words that Elijah strung together and offered as a prayer on Mount Carmel, they were, they were not what made that moment powerful. I'm not, I'm not diminishing, amen, the, the, the place of prayer and, and our, our act of prayer. But it wasn't his words. It was not the enticing words of, of Elijah's wisdom that called down fire from heaven and put the prophets of Baal in their place. It was God's fiery response. It was God's demonstration of power, amen, to the prayers of a righteous man. I've 
taken way too long on my first point, but you hear me. When you involve yourself in prayer, God will always involve himself in demonstration and in power. Come on, i got to tell somebody in this house today. I don't know what you've been fighting this week, but God can smite every affliction that you have faced. God can dispel every demon that has tormented you. God can break every chain of bondage off of your soul. Whatever addiction you've been bound by, you hear this preacher from Oklahoma today, it is no match for the power of the Almighty God. And if you will pray the prayer of faith and believe that God can deliver, I believe that God is able to confirm His word with signs following. I wish somebody would clap your hands and give God praise right now. also in scripture the precedence that obedience obedience to God is a prerequisite for involvement from God for by one man's disobedience one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. It was the premise along with divine inspiration which prompted James to urge you and I toward being doers of the word and not hearers only. There's something about obedience that attracts God. I can't go into all this, but I do want to, I do want to communicate this quickly. Naaman, that, that great, honorable, and mighty man, stricken with leprosy and desperate for God to get involved in his life and his affliction, he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. The prophet of God had already heard from God, gave instructions to Naaman that if he obeyed, there would indeed be divine involvement in his life. The prophet said, go and wash seven times in the Jordan and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. It was the end uh, at which Naaman hoped to arrive, yet not at all the way he thought that it would happen. With attitude and anger, Naaman, Naaman just kind of flew off the handle and was furious at the strange instruction of the man of God. He complained. There's, there's cleaner rivers. There's other waters that I would rather wash in. Why the muddy Jordan River? While he was reeling with rage, Naaman's servant said, Sir, if the prophet had asked you to do some great thing. If he had asked you to do some great thing, you would have done it. No questions asked. If it would have required difficulty, you'd have done it. If it would have required extravagance, you'd have welcomed the challenge. 
if it would have necessitated expense, you'd have done it. You would have welcomed the task and performed the challenge with gladness. Yet the simple task of obedience is too hard. I need you to hear me right now. Yet as it stood, that great thing that God was looking for, that great thing that God desired from Naaman was not extravagant. It was not expense. That great thing was simple, yet it was the great act of obedience. And once Naaman swallowed his pride and followed the prophet's words, dipping seven times into the muddy water, the Bible says his flesh came again like into the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Can I preach to somebody today, obedience is that great thing that can involve God in your life. It may not seem like a whole lot. It may seem insufficient. But I'm telling you there's something about obedience to the word of God that will always get God's attention. It will always get God involved. There's something about obeying the word of God. There's something about aligning yourself with what scripture teaches. There's something about repenting of your sins uh, that God will not withhold his forgiveness. Come on, do I have a church that believes the Acts 2.38 message? Uh, there's something about repenting. Uh, there's something about being baptized uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, there's something about seeking him uh, for the fulfillment uh, of his promised spirit. Uh, God will not withhold it from us. Uh, but when we obey, uh, God will involve himself. I may be preaching to a handful of people here today, but if you have not repented of your sins, hear this preacher when I tell you, there is no better way for you to involve God into the sinful mess that you've been living in than for you to come to this altar today in just a few minutes and pray a repair of repentance and give your life into the hand of God. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, amen, what a great act of obedience it would be on a Sunday afternoon for you to be buried in the waters of baptism and have God's divine involvement come to pass in your life. You've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I believe that there is no better opportunity. There is no greater day than today for God to fill you with the promise of His Spirit. And it's simple, it doesn't require extravagance. It doesn't require difficulty. All it requires is the prayer of faith and obedience to God's Word. Can I hurry? I won't preach much longer. But I must tell you there's one more thing that God cannot resist. 1 Samuel 14 bears the account of when Jonathan, along with his armor bearer, secretly slipped away from the company of troops that Saul was leading with 600 men. Traversing the rugged terrain of a deep ravine, 
for some three miles. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised Philistines. He said, It may be that the Lord will work for us. Jonathan was demonstrating and verbalizing faith in God's ability to involve himself with man. I don't believe Jonathan was implying doubt. I don't believe Jonathan was implying unbelief by the words that he spoke. Jonathan was rather acknowledging that the objective to which he intended to attain was beyond his own power. It was beyond anything that he could produce in himself. Because success in the spirit will never come by dependence upon our own strength or our own merit. Jonathan knew that if, if this victory was to be won, God would have to be involved. Jonathan, Jonathan said, there's more of them than there are of us. But it may be. That God will work for us. Can I tell somebody today, faith can go a long way on just a maybe. I understand that we're all human, we're all flesh, and we're all prone to doubt. But every maybe is not always full of doubt. Faith can go a long way on just saying it may be that God will answer my prayer. It may be that God will honor my obedience. It may be that God will come to my rescue. It may be that God will intervene and involve himself. Because all faith needs to operate is a little hope. Hebrews said faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if you could ever get to the place where you realize there is hope for victory, there is hope for deliverance, there is hope for revival in my family, there is hope for my sinful state, there is hope that I can be delivered from this addiction, there is hope that I can destroy the yoke of bondage that hell has on my soul. If you can just realize there's hope, faith can lead you into a miraculous demonstration of God's power. You may be surrounded, musicians can come, you may be surrounded by opposition, but you hear this preacher, it may be that God will work for you. Come on, what I, what I felt so instructed of the Holy Ghost yesterday as I drove that RV through the mountains of Montana, I felt such a, such a clear, clear word of the Spirit that there are people in this building right now that you are at the end of your rope. You don't know what else to do. You don't know where else to turn. You, you don't know what else to do in your own self. You've exhausted every effort. You've exhausted every means by which you thought you might could maneuver to 
the problem that you're facing. I felt the Spirit direct me to tell this great congregation today that when we are at the end of ourselves, when we have done all that we can, when we've done our best, and our best just isn't enough, we must have faith in God's willingness to involve himself in our lives. I think I gave them the scripture. I'm I'm going to skip over some stuff right now. Here's the reality. God wants to be involved. I need somebody to hear me. God wants to be involved in what you're facing right now. I believe I gave the scripture to them. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. That tells me that God is quite literally looking for those who will allow him to get involved in their circumstance. Does that simplify things or what? There's not some great question mark hanging over us today as to whether not God is willing to entangle himself with your affairs. Somebody hear me today. God is willing. God is looking to show himself strong on behalf of those that fear him, on behalf of those that are hungry and willing to let God Get involved. I close with this. Once Jonathan and his armor bearer allowed themselves to be seen by that Philistine troop. The Philistine said this, 1 Samuel 14, 11. They said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. That's the enemy speaking. And the enemy says, whoa. Look at God's people coming out of their foxholes. Look at the, look at the people of God stepping out in faith. desperate faith to see God involve himself. Can I tell you what I believe to be a truth today? There are people in this building that you have become so intimidated by the battle that you are in that you have tucked yourself away in fear. You've hunkered down in your foxhole 
because you've believed the lie of the enemy that God is not willing to involve himself in your life. Can I tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. And you need to let faith draw you out of your foxhole today. Come on, I'm telling somebody, you've been tucked away in fear long enough. You've been tucked away in the deceptive lies of the enemy long enough. It's time that you let your faith drive you out of the foxhole. Say, I'm going to act in obedience. I'm going to act in faith. Just as Jonathan and that armor bearer acted in faith, believing that God may just work for them. Those two men slew 20 Philistines on a half acre of land because they were crazy enough to act in faith and believe that God was not restrained by many or by few, but God was willing to involve himself in their fight. Would you lift your hands all over this building right now? There's an unction of the Spirit in this place right now. I believe there's getting ready to be a release of faith in this building. Come on, I need somebody to lift your hands right now. Come on, I don't know the battle that you're facing. And I don't know the storm that you're going through. I don't know the sin that has mounted up in your life. I don't know the bondage and the affliction that you are dealing with. But I know this. If you will pray, if you will obey, and if you will act in faith, God is more than willing to involve himself. Stand with me all over this house right now. What I felt the Spirit instruct me yesterday told me what to preach in this service. He also instructed me how to give this altar call. And I want everybody to come that wants to. I'm, I'm not excluding anyone. This is just what the Spirit of the Lord told me to do. All of those in this building today, that you stand in need of a miracle. You stand in need of divine intervention in your life. You're at the end of your rope. Tears have soaked your pillow at night because you don't know where else to turn. It looks like hope is gone. Frustration has gotten the best of some of you. The devil has lied to you and told you there's no way out, that it's over. If that's you, I'm giving this altar call for you today because I believe by your act of faith and you're coming to this front in just a moment, I believe God is going to honor that faith. And I believe God is willing to involve himself in your life. If that's you, I want you to come right now. You don't have to wait. Come on. You're, you're stepping out the aisles already. I want you to gather. If that's you, if you're honest enough on a Sunday morning to say, hey, I need divine involvement in my life. I stand in need of a miracle. I stand in need of direction from the Lord. 
Come on, there may be decisions that some of you have been praying about. I believe God's able to direct you today. Come on, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you're hungry to receive it, I wish you'd gather in close right now. I'm telling you there's divine involvement here in this house right now. Now would you lift your hands and would you lift your eyes toward heaven right now? I want you to open your mouth and begin to give God every ounce of faith that you can muster up within you right now. I want you to begin to surrender your battle into the hand of the Almighty God right now. Come on, I believe there's a supernatural demonstration of the Holy Ghost here right now. Come on, we're getting ready to see divine involvement. You're getting ready to see a promise come to pass. I believe somebody's getting ready to see their prayer be answered. Come on, that's it. Throw your hands up and begin to speak faith. It may be that God will work for you on a Sunday morning. It may just be that God will confirm His word in your life. Jesus, receive your miracle now. Receive the gift. 